Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. I am your running host, Dean Thompson. Welcome to everyone who has found your way to this podcast at this moment. And as usual, joining me is Run for God founder, Mitchell Hollis. How's it going, Dean? Good. Thanks for having me. It's about springtime. Man, it is. We've had some crazy weather. It's up and it's down and it's, it's, we were running in shorts yesterday, but I think tomorrow morning it's supposed to be cold again. So it's dogwood winter, right? And I think we've already had dogwood. I think maybe this is a blackberry that's coming up. So I don't know, but then we're done. I hope so. Man, me too. <laughs> of course, I don't know. We, what, two weeks ago was the anniversary of the blizzard of 93, so you just never know. That's true. But, That's true. Uh, hey, I want to talk about something for just a minute. Okay. Usually this is where we insert our corporate partnership uh, for the week, but I want to talk a little bit about why corporate partnerships are so important to Run for God. Um, you know, here we, we earn money or make money or whatever you want to call it, uh, three different ways. We fund this ministry in three different ways. Number one is corporate partnerships. Number two is merchandise. And number three is run club memberships. And we've had the question from time to time, how does Run for God spend its money? And it's a it's a good question. Mm-hmm. It's a question you should be asking if you're making donations or being a part of anything. Uh, but really, the, the funds that Run for God gets, is it does one of several things. Number one, it keeps the lights on here at Run For God. Mm -hmm. Uh, We can't do what we do without those three streams of revenue. It keeps the staff paid. Um, There's not many of us, but it it does keep everyone paid here at Run For God. It funds all the content that we bring each week. You know, I saw somebody uh, on Facebook, I think I mentioned this to you on a run yesterday, that somebody was talking about they can't believe how much content there is here at Run For God. And, you know, we're in it week in and week out, and we really don't sit back and think about it, but there is. I mean, there's yeah. hundreds and hundreds of hours of content uh, that these streams of revenue have allowed us to produce through the years. Mm-hmm. Um, it brings you all the, the the weekly podcast that we're doing right now, the all the class content, the live sessions that we do, and it also funds our gospel campaigns. And this is where I want to part for just a second because. Yeah. Pre-pandemic, um, we used to do quite a bit of this. Now, we've uh, obviously during the pandemic, we had to to pull back a little bit because we honestly didn't know what was going to happen with this ministry. You know, mm-hmm. we had some some pretty blunt conversations. Mm-hmm. I, I remember in May, June of 2020, like, what does this mean? I mean, pretty much everything in Run for God dried up, yeah. understandably. Uh, but we're kind of starting to get back now. We're kind of starting to um, – uh, get back to a point where we can start doing some some gospel campaigns again. Before the pandemic, I mean, we were at one time, we were in Runner's World Magazine. Mm-hmm. We were doing big promotions through social media, and that's what we want to get back to. Uh, and that's really where the corporate partnerships come into play. That really helps to drive yeah. uh, those gospel campaigns. Dean, you know, but many people listening may not know that we've had hundreds and hundreds of salvations yeah. as a result of not only this podcast, uh, the 12-week challenges that we have, 
but also through the gospel campaigns. You know, we we see a lot of people just with the simple things that we do, and we keep it really simple. Uh, we're driving people to the runforgod.com forward slash peace with God page. Um, and we've seen hundreds of decisions as a result of that that we know of. Um, so if you're out there, again, I say this every week, and you have a business that would like to support what we do here at Run for God, but in turn also allow us to support what you do with your business. You know, we don't just accept anybody that comes along. You know, they need mm-hmm. to line up with the way we think and and our mission here at Run for God. And our mission here, honestly, is just waking up every morning trying to figure out how we can point people to Christ through the sport of running. It really is that simple. Um, but if that's you and you have a business and you would like to support us, allow us to support you, uh, send an email to customerservice at runforgod.com and we will get you all the information. But I wanted to take a minute this morning and just kind of explain that because we get those questions um, every once in a while and they're good questions and they need to be addressed. So I thought I'd do that. And if you got more questions, uh, give us a shoot us an email at that same email address. Yeah, for sure. And it it always is important whenever any any organization I want to support, I sure. want to know, you know, just to, just how efficient they are with the dollars that you that you give them. And and I will say, you know, both the guys sitting at this table right now are bivocational. Yeah. This is not our full-time job. We both do thing other things on the side that help us, you know, support our families. Um and uh, you know, that's that's something we don't mind doing. We enjoy doing it. Sure. Um so um but yeah, if you got questions or want to get involved, shoot us an email, we'll get you all the information. Amen. How about a Facebook post from last week? We've got this one from Patrick Rainey. It says, Hello all. Giving God all the praise and glory for finishing week 10, day one tonight. I left work at 6.45 p.m., did the one-and-a-half-mile loop walking, came home, put package inside, went to restroom, changed shirts, got some water, felt that quiet voice from within. Forgetting something? I got convicted tonight. I didn't want to run. Felt that nudge from God. You know, like the parent grabbing you by the ear to do something or God prompting you to go to the altar and pray for that stranger when other people are closer. Yeah, that type of conviction. How dare I give God my second best effort when he always gives me his best? Yes, Lord, warm up walking to the river, doing a three mile loop. So about two miles, then walk the last mile and then home. I got this. Well, no. God showed up and overflowed my cup again. I jogged the whole three-mile loop and all the way home, too. I walked up and down my street in cool-off mode, ran into a couple of friends, and shared a bit of my journey. They didn't recognize me due to my weight loss. Anyway, God is using this as a ministry tool for me to maybe encourage others to seek Him in this same time of uncertainty. Over six miles today, 13,000 steps. That is how 104 miles of jogging or walking this month of March so far to date. Uh, That is now, excuse me. Ended up with six minutes of total exercise, uh, then workout called for tonight. Learning that, learning that lesson again to trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Actually felt energetic and happy during the workout. Last song of workout, of course, it was Awesome God. 
How appropriate. Thank everyone for their friendship, fellowship, and support. Let me know if I can be of an, an encouragement in your journey too. Be blessed beyond measure always, my friends. So I just want to know if, if anybody, when you were reading that, you were reading the trust and obey lyrics. If anybody was singing that in their head, because I was, <laughs> I know I was. Yeah, <laughs> I was hoping you would start singing. Yeah, it was hard. well. You don't want to hear that. Everybody else, nobody wants yeah, to hear that. No. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, a that's a great post, Patrick. Yeah, I, I love those times when you know, for whatever reason, we we tend to sometimes try to slip our second best by. Yeah, and uh, I I do love it when God kind of smacks me on the back of the head and and because you know we talked about this before that's it hurts on one hand but on the other hand it lets me know that i'm close enough yeah to where he can you know reach out and not smack me nudge me yeah uh to do to give my best and uh yeah those are pretty special times yeah, and I think about this. This was a very encouraging post for anybody out there who was struggling. I'm sure read this and were immediately encouraged by it. And we often talk about social media and how bad social media is because we're mm-hmm. comparing ourselves to other. And we have to be careful about doing that. But it works the other way too. Sure. And so, a matter of fact, just yesterday, this isn't social media, but it's a way that other people encourage you. Maybe even not even in, as intentionally as they mean it. Um, so yesterday, you know, I, you when you got there, I had just finished a workout on the track sure. yesterday. And so that workout was, it was a little bit longer than I'd done. It was, it was a little bit of a stretch for me to do what I was doing. It was crazy windy, which made it <laughs> yeah, that much. I mean, mentally it was yeah. tough because it was so windy. You know, you go down one side of the track and the wind's at your back. You come up the other side and you feel like you're you know i feel like i'm swimming you know trying to get through water and uh but anyway i had told the high school guys were there and i had told them what i was doing and of course i always try to be an encouragement to the high school kids well one of them you know who it was mm-hmm. he hung around for to watch me get through with that workout everybody else left the track mm-hmm. and he stayed there just to he was at every lap I came around. You got this, Dean. Good well, job, He was Dean. also timing you. I was watching. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he was, had his yeah, watch going. I knew he was. <laughs> and, uh, and, and you know, that held me accountable. Sure. Um, and it's good to be held accountable. You know, we talk all the time about posting something to keep yourself accountable. That's exactly what I did because the truth is, and I told you this as we were walking and running afterwards, that I might have stopped that workout a little early. Mm-hmm. I was struggling mm-hmm. to get that workout in. And I might have stopped a little early. But that would be a terrible thing to do in front of sure. this high school student who I coach, right. and I won't let him stop early. Mm-hmm. And so it it made me complete my workout. And guess what? I didn't die. You didn't die. And you didn't finish it and go, ah, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That's exactly you right. You finished it, and you felt good about it. Just like he did here. Exactly. Yep, That's same thing. Exactly right. Good job, Patrick. Yeah. And good job, Patton, for helping me get through. Shout out to Patton. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Big track meet tonight. Are you going? Uh, I hope so. Yeah. Well, I won't be able to go to Lafayette. Lafayette. I can't get, I can't get home by 9 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, trivia question for, from last week. This was an interesting one. Who was the youngest person to run a marathon? Did you have any idea who this was? I did, and I knew the person, youngest person to run one on all seven continents, but not not this one. I've never heard this name. 
Yeah, Budia Singh apparently ran his first marathon when he was four years. Now, the information on him is very sketchy. You're not really sure. He's, he's in India and so um, grew up in a really poor family. And so I'm sure there wasn't access to a lot in there. Um, his father died when he was very young. And so his mother was very poor. You know, in India, they have this caste system, which makes, you know, being poor uh uh, hard to get out of mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of thing. And so she actually sold her son to a traveling salesman. Um, and this traveling salesman apparently used used him to help him with his traveling salesman job and really abused him. The mother heard about that. And so she, she reached out to a friend of hers who was a coach, a judo coach, and said, would you, can you get him back? Can you buy him back and, and, and get him on, um, you know, back where I can see him and back, and, and back where he can thrive a little bit because sure. I know he wouldn't treat him like that. Anyway, he gets, he, he, he does this. So he, 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 this judo coach, he starts living with him. Well, one day the kid, Budia, did something that he shouldn't have done. And so he decided to punish him. And he punishes this kid by making him run. Well, you know, we've all seen that punishment before. Mm-hmm. And so he did that. Well, he, he got him out there running and then forgot about him. <laughs> and he came back hours later. And when he came back, he was still running hours later. And he thought, man, this kid has got some endurance mm-hmm. in him and so he started training in run marathons that's how the whole thing started at four at four years old and um and apparently there's there's again there's several th- I, I read something that said he ran 50 marathons by the time he was four i find that hard to believe yeah but at some point in time by the time he was four he was absolutely definitely running a marathon and we think about a marathon today and how tough it is and think about a four-year-old and some people think we're tough on young athletes. I'm telling you. And we don't got nothing on this judo <laughs> yeah. coach. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, as is always the case, there's always these allegations of exploitation sure. and things like that. And was that there? We don't know. Yeah. Um, but he was the youngest. Uh, and there, there's a documentary called Marathon Boy that came out in 2011. And then there's a biographical film that came out in 2016 about him as well. So there's some there's some ways to get out there. And, of course, I'm sure I don't know how, how truthful they are, mm-hmm. how accurate they are. But it is interesting. Turns out after all of this and after all these miles that this this kid has run, he's not very fast. So he runs these marathons, but he doesn't run them very fast. And, of course, at four years old, you don't pay attention to how fast he's running them. Well, it turns out as he's getting older, he's not getting much faster. Yeah. And so he's apparently a relatively pedestrian runner um, and really has no real extra talent in running, which I thought was interesting because we have so many people who are convinced that the only way you can be a runner is if you have a whole bunch of talent. Well, no. Here's a good example from four years old, right? So, uh, yep. We've heard those allegations of exploitation before, haven't we? Yeah. We, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 But I know, like with uh, with Lane, mm-hmm. when, when, you, when you're training Lane, anytime a father trains there. You get that. Yeah. The, it's always going to be some of that. But I know you always took the, the pains every year, the beginning of the year, to, to say, is this what you want to do to make sure 
Yeah, and I you think, I think that's that important for anybody, whether you're training your kids or not, it's important to have those conversations with your kid. You're right. I, every year, you know, Lane started doing triathlon when he was five. Uh, he was nationally ranked at age six, and he's been nationally ranked pretty much every year since then. But every year I would sit him down. I would sit both of them down, Lane and Lane. You know, Landon did triathlons when he was young, and I would sit him down in January of every year, and I would say, look, is this what you really, really want to do? Because it is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the amount of hours that Lane trains some weeks is, you know, 30, 35 hours at the peak of the season. And so it's it's a lot. And you do have to push him you have to, to get push. some of that done sometimes. Sure, yeah. sure. And so every January I sit him down and I say, look, is this what you want to do? The door's open right now. If it's not, we can go. You know, Lane's Lane's a professional triathlete now, and you know the door's open. You can go become a recreational triathlete, do it part time. That's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But you got to make sure that because it could be easy for me to do things vicariously through Lane. Yeah. Because I I love the sport of triathlon, mm-hmm. and Lane is really good at it. So I have to check myself too every now and then, and we do this every year. You know, Landon a few years back said, yeah, I think I'm done with triathlon. Yeah. And he went on to do other things. And and Lane almost gets offended every January when I ask him this. He's like, why are, why are you still asking me this? Yeah. You know, this is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to continue to do. But you got to make sure that it's it's the child, not the parent. Yeah. Um, and you and I have both seen it where it was the parent. Yeah. Um, and sure. that's, it, you know – Maybe it wasn't intentional, but the the communication wasn't there. Like I try to have every year and say, is this what you want to do? Because if Lane ever said, no, I don't want to do this anymore, man, it would it would stink. I, it, it would hurt. hurt. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I would hate to think that he's doing something simply because I'm pushing him to do it. Now, I always say. If you say yes, it's game on for the next twelve months. That's right. And I'm going to hold you accountable, and 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 he understands that. And um, don't you think this is something that we should all do individually as well? You know, any, any, anything that we're into, sure. we should all kind of. T- and we need to do it like. What you are our do. motives? Yeah, and like you do with with Lane, you you hit him from just not while he's in the middle of it, not while he's in thinking January. about it, and it, yeah. And so we all need to do that at a time when we're neutral. Sure. When we have neutral feelings where we can think logically, because what happens is a lot of times is we just get through with a run. That's right. not the time yeah. to, for that introspection. It needs to be at a time when you're just calm and going, I need to really think, do I need to keep doing this? Yeah. You know, and what are my reasons? Are my reasons still the same? Did they change? Right. I, th- I think a lot of that. Would be and, you good. know, I've never liked the term, you know, you hear the term, well, kids got burned out. I've never really liked that phrase because it's it's more than that. Yeah. You know, usually usually when somebody does something, I'm I'm thinking of one young lady in in particular right now. You know, incredible runner all through high school, and and she stopped. Yeah. At the peak, and you know, you can say she got burned out. Or you can say that there was some other force there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, I mean, you just – if hear me out. I've, I've, I've coached my kid since he was five now to the highest level. 
mm-hmm. along with you and some other great coaches, you got to keep that dialogue open and yeah. you got to make sure that they're being honest with you because kids will. They'll yeah. tell you what you want to hear. Yep, that's true. And that's that's not a good thing always, especially yeah. when they're doing something that, you know, whether it could be golf or baseball. I mean, everything is year round now. Yeah. And if they're doing it simply because it's what you like to do, that's a recipe for for disappointment down mm-hmm. the road. So you just if you got kids, you know, I'm not trying to tell anybody how to parent. It's simply how I did it. Make sure that they're doing it because they want to do it, not because somehow it's tied to you or what what you want as parents. Yep. Um, so good point. Good point. All right, so Dean, we got two things going on right now. Uh yesterday we started the 5k challenge yeah um so we've got a lot of new people probably listening to this podcast for the first time uh no pressure we better make today pretty good (laughs) um but there's still time you know april 3rd was the start date but you know we've always said for the first three four even five weeks depending on your fitness level there's still time to come in so that is the uh the virtual virtual worldwide 5k challenge uh that's going on started yesterday actually if you're listening to this on monday morning you know the video's there it's ready for you you can jump in and start this week along with us but then this weekend this coming weekend we've got the 5k here in dalton where we've got people coming from all over literally we've got somebody coming from ireland to can't, join us, that's gonna be cool. Can't wait. I wanna yeah. I wanna try to get her on one of these microphones and yeah, for sure. talk about accents. I love Molly Wade's accent, but bring an Irish accent in here, that'd be really cool. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna have people here from all over. Uh there's still time. If you've been on the fence about that, show up. We've got room. Yeah. Um join us for for the things going on on Friday. Go to runforgod.com. You can check out the whole schedule. Uh you'll need to log in so you can see the the whole schedule for the whole weekend or just come and join us for the race on saturday morning uh but you can find all those details there but a lot of stuff going on yeah it's a busy spring around here that's right that's right all right as you know as many of you if you've been listening you know that we're sponsored by j radio and they make this podcast possible so go out there and check them out and see if j radio is a great way to get some good edifying music and if you're a music listener they make it easy As a mom, I want to make sure we choose a cereal that's not entirely derived from sugar. Their car seats have to be nationally CPS certified, and their first car has to have every possible safety feature known to man. I just want to do my best to make sure that they're safe. One thing I don't have to worry about is the content they hear on J-Radio. Not only do they love the music, but I know it's only going to be a positive message that I would approve of. Now, if I could just figure out how to get my youngest from sticking everything up his nose. Sign up at JRadio.com and download the new J-Radio app in your app store. All right, we're back. And if you don't know, we have every Thursday, we have a live session every Thursday and we talk about some kind of running related topic or Bible topic or we, we do something. It seems to be pretty engaging. There's a lot of folks that, that love Thursday nights. And uh, if you haven't been listening on Thursday nights, then uh, you need to join Run Club. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only way to do it. You got to be part of Run Club, and then uh, you go to the Run Club Facebook group page, and you can check out our Thursday night topics, and um, it's a lot of fun. You know, a few weeks ago, the the Thursday Night Live got hijacked, though. 
It did. I don't really know how that happened. Well. But it was, uh, they did a really, really good job. We knew they uh, would. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Rebecca and Angie, if you're out there listening, kudos to y'all. That was a, that was a lot of fun. It y'all brought was. a whole different level of energy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> to Thursday Night Live that and uh, went a little bit longer. I think they were kind of a little bit self-conscious about the time. I knew they would go long, yeah. <laughs> but it was worth it. I mean, they, they did a great job. They were very engaging. So we may have to do that again sometime. Yeah, you know? I was, you know, I was watching really close. I was interested to see if people would start tuning out at the end of the what we normally no. do in 30 minutes. They no, 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 nobody. They stayed engaged. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so uh, But, I mean, if you've ever sat across the table from either one of them, it's it's hard to disengage it's true they they hold your attention very well so great job ladies yeah it was a great job and we're uh we're going to share somebody's story here in a few minutes and we want to hear your story and you can do that on the run for god page if you go to runforgod.com there is a place at the bottom called submit your story and you can submit your story and uh we'll we'll use it right here on the podcast Mm -hmm. uh and and we we love these stories and so uh, everybody has a story don't tell us you don't have a story we've heard that before that's not true so i wanted to share this i saw this post on a message board and it, it uh it, the question was something like what is a very simple training plan mm-hmm. and this was one of the responses and i thought this was classic and this was the response he said run about an hour a day run faster once a week run longer once a week race a couple of times a month and rest when something bothers you isn't that i like the simplicity that is just training in a nutshell too isn't it yeah yeah i mean obviously once you get past the 5k challenge that's pretty much our plan you know i I love simplicity yep i don't like complexity and uh we try to do that with our training plans but yeah i mean this this hits the nail on the head yeah i remember seeing a uh a post from somebody that was actually there from Chattanooga and was a world-class 800-meter runner at one time. And she was talking about being fit and eating properly, and she, this was her, her way. She said, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, don't eat much that comes from boxes or bags and get physically tired nearly every day. That's, I mean, you really boil it down. You know, I, I just said it. I don't like complexity. I feel like our society is, if it's not complex, then it's probably doesn't work and that is so un that is so not true i mean all the way to our faith yep really yeah but i mean it seems like everybody is out there nowadays and they they've got this secret angle on you know how to do this and it's very complex and you got to do this and this and this when really it's it's I, i use this phrase probably too much on here but it's it's not rocket science that's right it's really boiling it down to to what they've got here and there's nothing wrong with complexity if if you you know you're taking it to a different level but when you're starting anything especially like a 5k challenge mm-hmm. if you've not run in years or you've never run you got to keep it simple yep. um because simple you you the the much you're much more likely to succeed when you keep things simple now you can get complex and excel but you've got to succeed first. Yep. You've got to you've got to 
crawl before you can walk and the way or to do walk that before you can run yeah, and the way to do it is to be simple yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. i love that well this week's story is a really straightforward story and it's it's heartbreaking and triumphant at the same time and it's a it's a it's a really good story so this comes from tanya tool um, it's called from heartache to unconditional love i grew up in a very dysfunctional home Both parents were alcohol, drug, and sex addicts. I lived in fear every day of my life, from the perpetrators that entered my home for the raging parties my parents had to a mother who I was certain would kill me someday. At the age of 12, I was taken in by the principal of my junior high school. There, I learned what unconditional love looked and felt like. I remember wanting to pay my way to be in their home. I started a paper route and I got lost at 5 a.m. the first morning and my new dad found me wandering around crying. From that day forward, he loaded me up in his station wagon and drove me house to house. Then he would drive me across town to my driving lessons. I was raised by this family. Because of them, I was the first and only graduate from college. But I was super insecure and riddled with trauma and didn't know how to cope with life. And so I made so many mistakes. I met my hubby as a sophomore and we got married five and a half years later. Our marriage was great for the first five years until I had my first child and then divorce loomed. He too had a terrible childhood and it was hard for two people that never saw an example of a loving marriage know how to navigate ours. It was around this time that I was invited to a non-denominational Christian church. Terrified, I stepped foot into a church for the first time alone. I remember loving the music and the sermon that the pastor gave, so I joined a women's Bible study group that week. This group was just starting a book called Knowing God 101. I learned of Jesus who died for my sins, past, present, and future. I thought I had learned in my life that no one could ever love me as everyone left me and hurt me. So my wall quickly went back up. I was having a hard time believing this Jesus ever existed, let alone that he could love me as I was. The next session was the, was the evidence of the Bible. Dr. Hugh Ross says approximately 2,500 prophecies appear in the pages of the Bible, about 2,000 of which have already been fulfilled to the letter no errors the remaining 500 or so reach into future and will be fulfilled he calculates that the odds of all these prophecies having be being fulfilled by chance without error is less than one in 10 to the 2000th power thus the bible had to be true and the story of jesus had to be true i was a believer I cried for the next six months out of pure love and gratitude that the creator of the universe loved me and would never leave me. My mom eventually drank herself to death. My father left his lifestyle of drinking and drugs and married a Christian woman and healing began. My husband and I salvaged our marriage and had two more beautiful daughters. When my daughters were ages one, three, and six, I began having severe health issues. I was eventually diagnosed with terminal cancer. It was stage four, and the average lifespan from contraction was eight to ten years, but they said I had already had it for three to four years. I battled for a solid year, but it came right back. 
I left the medical community and started eating the way Jesus ate when he walked on this earth. I figured I would get rid of all the junk and live on what God provided on earth in order to boost my immune system to see how many years I could have with my family. Two months later, my cancer was gone and has never returned. When I was on what I thought would be my deathbed, I told God if he gave me a day, a week, month, or a year, that I would serve him boldly in whatever capacity he saw fit. Soon after, I received an email from a pastor at our church that asked if we would use our home as a safe house for people leaving polygamy. I said yes, and our house was full for the next three years. We learned that there were people living under a dictatorship where every decision was made for them. Neither men nor women owned anything. Child labor and sexual exploitation was the norm. And if they got kicked out or chose to leave, they knew they were condemned to hell. We couldn't turn a blind eye to what was happening right in front of us. So we started holding out help. Help stands for helping, encouraging, and loving polygamists. Fourteen years later, we're still serving people from this culture with all the resources a refugee coming in from another culture would need. We are the hands and feet of Christ. It truly has been humbling. Wow. What a powerful That'll testimony. Punch you in the mouth right yeah, there. It, it will. Um, and it, they do. They've, I've been to this website and I've talked with her a little bit about this holding out help. It's holdingouthelp.org is the uh, is the organization. Certainly, if anybody has a, a want or need to go out there and to support that ministry, um, yeah, I would suggest that that would be great. Um, I'm sure we have other people that have gone through similar things in their lives. Yeah, that she has. It, Tanya, that's a thank you for being open. Number one, but you know, just last night I talk about usually I talk about the youth group on here that I that I help with because we 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 cut this on Thursday mornings and I'm there I'm with them on Wednesday nights but just last night we were we're going through a series with the youth and it's called questioning Christianity and we're kind of mm. we're kind of going through all the arguments um and just last night we were talking about the argument of um God can't be good and all powerful you know why did what if if God is so good, he wouldn't let bad things happen to good people. And this is just, this is another one of those examples that God doesn't do things to good people. He allows bad things to happen to good people. And this is a, this is a, look at Tanya today mm-hmm. and look at all the bad things in her past. Where would Tanya be if, maybe the cancer diagnosis didn't come in or um you know that uh, a lot of the things happened to her later on what if those things didn't happen where would she be i firmly believe that she is where she is now because of those things in her past sure she's she's helping people come out of polygamy and very bad situations bad home lives because she can relate to it yep and you know the one of the one of the examples that Thomas used last night, and we've talked about it on here. I always compare our relationship with God with a with a father and son or a or parent and child relationship. And he, he gave a great example last night. He said, think back to when you took your children for their immunization shots. 
And I was laughing because Lane was sitting beside Holly because this was Lane to a T. <laughs> but you go in, they're very unsuspecting. You know, they're a little suspicious of their surroundings. And then all of a sudden, this doctor comes in with a needle and jabs the kid in his leg. And the kid's not mad at the doctor. The kid's mad at the parents. Yeah. And the the child is like, why are you doing this to me? And and it's funny because that's almost the exact words that Lane used back then of, why are you doing this to me? (laughs) But... That is a that is a bad thing. That's a that's a thing that hurts. Yeah. We know it's hurting our child, but we know it's for the good. And I can't help but think that that God was in heaven through all these circumstances with Tanya, knowing the end game. Yeah. Knowing that there was somebody tied up in polygamy that was gonna need a way out years down the road, and he was setting the stage for Tanya to be there. Preparing her. Exactly. She yeah. could not do what she's doing now had she not had the the past that she had. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all about perspective. And yeah. it is hard when somebody makes that comment, an unbeliever makes that comment. Um, but we, we've, we've got to somehow get them to have a different perspective. And sometimes it is using somebody like Tanya's story or using the example of a parent and child. Um, but that is one of the biggest arguments that unbelievers make is is this kind of argument. Well, if, if God was all good, he wouldn't allow this yeah. to happen to Tanya. I say if God wasn't all good, he would have kept Tanya from all this stuff. Yeah, But he – God – God is omnipotent. He knows everything. Yeah. And he knows today just as well as he knows five years from now. Mm-hmm. And he's got the whole picture in mind. So I, I, I didn't mean to keep going on there, but it's funny. We talked about this just last night, and Tanya's story just falls right into. Yeah, and as powerful as this story is, this is such a good illustration. We've talked on here a number of times about James 1, where James talks about counted uh, count as joy when you fall into various trials, this is why. Mm -hmm. This is why it's important for us to count it as joy when we go through those tough things because those tough things inevitably are preparing us for something else down the road, just like it did for Tanya here. Sure. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. She follows by saying, I realize this is not a personal context for me, but I do believe that in all I went through, God was holding me. He put that family that raised me in my life. He saved my marriage. He has allowed me to raise my children and keep me healthy. She's dead on. Man, yeah. It's so hard to see that 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 God has a plan when you're in the middle of of these horrific things that she goes through. It's really hard for a, a, a kid who is being abused by a parent to understand how that could possibly at all be. And obviously, if you're the one that's in the middle of it, it's even harder mm-hmm. to see. It's hard for us to see it from the outside and understand it. But um, if there was a way to look into the future, she could have seen at, at those moments that those things were, were leading to something. And 
it, we just have to believe, we have to have full faith and trust in God that when we do go through those tough times, that there is something down the road like this situation with Tanya, that if we're faithful to him, that that ultimate path that he has for us will be satisfied. And that's where Jeremiah 29, 11 comes in. Well, and, it, you know, that's why we have to look around. You know, the, the Christian community is riddled with stories just like this. Yeah. God's word says he uses all things for the good of those who love him. I mean, and Jeremiah says right here, for I know the plans for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and to not harm you. There's promises. The Bible is littered with promises all through that doesn't say I will protect you from harm, but that he will use all these situations to make us better and I walk with him. And, that's why we have to look around. We have, if you live your life in a bubble, you know that's why it's so important. I feel to be in church yeah. because you you rub shoulders with people just like this yeah. every Sunday. You you hear yeah. these stories like Tanya's. You get to know these people, and you know you see what it's done in their life. You can look back on your own life and see the places, the dark places that you've been in. Lord knows, I've been in plenty of them. Yeah, and all of those things give me confidence going forward it gives me more and more confidence each time the darkness starts to come in that i can say nope god's got this yeah i know i'm going to go through a valley here just like in our training we talk about mm-hmm. we get amped up for those hard workouts you you showed up at the track yesterday like this is gonna hurt yep. this tempo run is gonna hurt like crazy i saw you bend over at the finish line yeah it hurt yeah but you know that it makes you better mm-hmm. and we've just we've got to figure out and we never will. We never will on this side of glory on how to master that process. Yeah. But we can get better day by day. Yeah. And it's just being faithful to it. Sure. I think about uh, so many things that we do in obedience to Christ have a payoff that we don't even know about. I had somebody, I was talking with somebody recently that I had actually met down at the Big Beach Marathon. And in talking with him, there was a sentence that I uttered that I don't remember even saying, but he's telling me that it was had a huge impact on his life. You just don't know mm-hmm. how God is going to use the things that you do, and that this whole plan. If we're following Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, we're believing in what that God has a plan for us, and we're following the prompting that God gives us. There's no telling what happens. Mordecai Ham had no idea when he got up to preach that day that he was about to do something that was going to literally change the world when Billy Graham came to the foot of the cross that day. Yeah. I mean, but what he was doing was he was just doing his Jeremiah 29 11. He was obedient to Christ and what Christ had him to do that day, and it changed the world. And we just don't. And we may never. We never. We may never make it to where we feel like God is leading us. I think that's the other important thing is we, we feel like we're not going to make it, so we give up, whatever that is. But I mean, look back at Abraham. Abraham never made it to the promised land, and you, you, I could completely understand Abraham doing all he did for all those years. All the setbacks, the setbacks I put in air quotes that he feel like he had. I, I, giving up 
that had to be going through his head. Oh, yeah. And on his deathbed, you got to wonder, did, did he think he failed? Did he think, oh, I just didn't do enough? But look at what he's looking at now. Yeah. We're all going to be on that level to some degree on that side of glory. Yeah. But on this side of glory, we just got to keep doing what we feel like God's calling us to do and leave the results to him. That's we right. will see the results in heaven. There are people that will come up to us in heaven, I have no doubt, that we've never heard of, we've never talked to. But the things that, that happen through this minute, that's what excites me. That's what yeah. keeps me going. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the nasty email that we get questioning everything we're doing from somebody that don't even know us. It's the ones we're not getting. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that excite me because there are. There's people out there, and it's not just you and I. It's everybody who's doing anything in the name of Christ is making an eternal difference of which they don't even know the expanse of it. Amen. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. She says, I have lived in fear my whole life, and to this day I still have that monkey on my back. But it is also the very way Jesus keeps me at his feet. I couldn't and wouldn't want to do this life in ministry without him. I can't imagine going through what she went through. Um, I mean, it's clearly made her really strong, but uh, it, it's it's always amazed me to look at somebody who's led a life like Tanya has, uh, because I look at my own life and I realize how fortunate mm-hmm. I am um, to have not gone through a lot of these things that a lot of people talk about. Um, and and, I, and I, I'm so I'm so thankful for it. First of all, he uses the the phrase in here: "Do do not fear." That's all over mm-hmm. the Bible. Um, it appears a lot in the scriptures, and and there's a reason why it's in there so many times. Mm-hmm. Is because we all struggle with fear. My fears, because I've not been through all the stuff that she's been through. My fears are probably much shallower than hers. You know what I mean? The the tougher life that you've lived, the the tougher the circumstances that you've come through, probably it probably takes a lot more to be fearful. At the same time that you also see little things that trigger past fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that whole idea of fear, um, it, it shapes us so much, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think fear is what paralyzes us from doing anything that God calls us to do. I mean, God is typically calling us to do stuff outside our comfort zone. It's yeah. the only way we grow. It's the only way you grow as a runner is to get outside your comfort zone, to do that tempo run and you, you got to force it. You've got to force yourself outside. Mm-hmm. You could have feared the pain that you knew was going to be at that end of that tempo run, and it could have paralyzed you not to do anything. It almost did. <laughs> well, <laughs> but Patton was there. But God Patton, knew that Patton was going to be there. That's right. So, I mean, it's 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 kind of easy to kind of be a little bit tongue in cheek about this stuff, but it's, man, it all just goes together. Uh, This, this ministry, that's why we say it's, we're paralleling faith and endurance because the struggles we deal with on both sides are almost just, they almost just match up perfectly. Yeah. And this scripture talks about how God is with us. And isn't that the same way that 
my next workout will probably be a little bit easier because I made it through this one, mm-hmm. right? And that's the way it is, the 5K challenge. We run, that first 20-minute run is a big deal. But guess what? The next 20-minute run, it's not nearly as hard. Uh, and that's the way it goes with our walk with Christ and everything. We see success, and it, it leads us to a whole different level of confidence in God and confidence in our training and confidence in whatever it is that we went but through. But just like we push ourselves to that next thing, from the 5K to the 10K, God is always going to push us to that next thing. Yeah. Because before we know it, that, you know, if he may be pushing you to to just reach out and talk to that person, whoever it may be, whether they're on the side of the road or homeless or whatever, or a friend who's struggling. And, and we just think that's so monumental and it's so stressful. And we get, we knot ourselves up inside with fear about rejection. Well, if we keep doing those little things, then two years down the road, you're going to look at talking to that person like, what What in the world was I thinking? Exactly. Why, why did I even worry about that? Why did I fear that? And that's the point is the more the more we get outside our comfort zone, whether in fitness or in faith. And face our fears. And face your fears, the better you're going to be as a whole person. This bleeds over to every area of your life, to your job, to your family, to your church life, to your fitness life, to your Whatever it is you do, this makes you, these principles make you that much better. Good word. Psalm 18, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I will take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. She goes on to say, without him I am nothing, and with him all things are possible. When he decides to take me home, I will rest knowing I will be with the one and only that loves me unconditionally for all eternity. Hmm. I guess that's where we want to all get to is that full reliance on God, right? Of For everything. We want to rely on God for our spiritual life, obviously, that one that one's just a no-brainer, but we also want to rely on God for everything else and be thankful. You know, the idea when I got through with that uh, with that run yesterday, I was thankful. Now, but the fact that Patton was there made me hurt more, <laughs> but I was thankful that he was there. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you, you, just like you just said, I, I feel like that was a little God wink of just. We're, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this little thing here. <laughs> and before the workout, you're like, appreciate it, God. I, I was, I could have took it a little bit easier here, but no. Yeah. You put Pat in here. Yeah. And but afterwards, you were like, Thank thanks, you. God. That's exactly right. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes we don't like the situations He puts in front of us, uh, but on the backside, I can't think of. I honestly looking back on my life. Okay, maybe there's some things that I wished never have happened. But I'm thankful for the lessons that God showed me in each and every one of them. Yeah. I was going to say there's not anything in my life that I wish never would have happened because there are. I mean, that's just human nature. I I, sure. I wish I would have never gotten that stress fracture four or five years ago. But I'm thankful for all the things that he showed me because of it yeah um and that's just a, a level of not saying i'm mature because <laughs> i complain a lot to god but that that that's that's showing maturity when we can get to the point of okay 
this this thing is in front of me. Yeah. But how am I going to let it shape me? Yeah, you know, you really can't underestimate. She she talks about God's unconditional love. You can't overstate how important God's unconditional love is. It doesn't matter how far we get away from it. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't. He's always trying to teach us a lesson. Now, some of those are painful and hard, and they're more chastisement than than anything else. But they're all good things. Mm-hmm. And we, I think we we miss just how hard God is working in the background to make sure that we become stronger, better, closer to Him. If all we'll do is listen to those those things that he's putting in front of us, and if we'll take them for their value rather than questioning everything that he does, yeah, you know, and you, you know, I mean, going back to the the message that we talked about with the youth group last night, when we got home and we were having our quiet time as a family, I I, I asked the question. We were talking about the whole concept of why does God let bad things happen to good people and i was so proud at how lane addressed it you know lane i think we've talked about it a couple times past few weeks but lane's been dealing with some issues and an injury well we found out this past week it was a it's a stress not a fracture but a reaction anyway he's he's kind of sidelined from running for four to six weeks which i was worried how he was going to deal with that because lane doesn't do good with downtime at all right he he will absolutely get on your nerves when you're not just running his brains out during the day to calm him down (laughs) anyway but he said last night he he and i think we've talked about this he's taken this opportunity to really work on his swim because he can swim yeah and so he's swimming two to three hours a day right now and working on that stroke and he said last night that idea of quitting never even crossed my mind and Lane is not – he seems like he can't catch a break lately the past yeah. couple of years between COVID and some some coaching snafus and, and now this. and But we, we need to look at things the same way. God's throwing us a curveball. Well, what can I do with that curveball? Yeah. Can I let it hit me and take me out of the game, or can I take it and and use it to get better at something else? It may not be what I the way I was wanting to do it, but I, I can use anything. We can use anything that God throws at us to advance our ministry, to, to get closer to him, to be stronger in our walk. Anything God throws at us, he He has it. He has it on a platter where we can take it and use it for something good. Yeah. Many times we just say, I'm done. Yep. And that's not the right that's not the right route. Nope. Gotta keep going question does knowing god mean you won't struggle i think we can move right on past that one yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not what it means no and unfortunately really the closer you are to god the more satan wants to hammer on the hotter you. the fire i mean it's really just it's the opposite really mm-hmm. and you say that and it sounds a little discouraging almost to say it um but then at the same time you realize well then god's closer and 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 the the, it's all worth it well i mean but but let's put it let's put it back in a running context i mean how many runners and i know even novice runners out there 
think this, but you you know nowadays you can watch like the pros workouts. Everything is pretty accessible, and you see what they can do. And you're watching a workout, say that some elite runner is doing, and you're thinking to yourself, "Man, I wish I could do that." Well, think about what you're saying. That person is in agony doing that. Yeah. Workout. Yeah. But they're doing it to make them better. And here we are saying, I wish I could do that. What we're asking for is, I wish I could be in that fire because I know I'm going to get better. Well, God gives us those opportunities. Yeah. And the closer we are to him, the hotter the fire is many times. Just like, you know, the, the better a runner is, the more they're trying to reach for that next big goal. The more it hurts sometimes. Yeah. They're, they've they've learned how to, you know, we've hear, heard runners say, I think Ryan Hall used to say it, I'm not a professional runner, I'm a professional pain manager. Yeah. And yeah. that's really what it is when we start getting really close to God because the heat turns up a lot more and we've got to learn to manage that. Yeah. And here's another problem that we have that I think about. What's the, uh, the Christian, Tim Hawkins? Christian yeah. comedian. You know, yeah. he tells yeah. this story about how he's talking about his teenage daughter and how they use and his wife and how they use this phrase. That's the worst. <laughs> Have you heard that before? And he's talking about that's the worst. And he said, you know, they they pulled up and um, she they were at the mall and she's supposed to meet her friends and her friends weren't there yet. And she's she's like, that's the worst, you know, because it's so dreadful that she's going to have to wait a few minutes for her friends to show up. And uh, Tim Hawkins goes back to the Chilean miners yeah. that were captured underground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he talks about how this is bad, my friend. This is bad. <laughs> But there's something worse. You know what he it's says? It's not getting the parking spot at yeah, the mall. Yeah. Do you, don't. You remember one time when it was? It's just a funny. If you had I know Google exactly. It. My Lane and Landon know it every single word. Yeah, that's get. Yeah, Google that one because that's hilarious. But it's the way we look at things. It's it's everything is the worst. Yeah, you know everything is the toughest. That we've got people that look at that first sixty seconds of running, and and think that's the worst thing they've ever done. And here on the opposite end of that spectrum is tanya's story Mm. and the things that she went through and i think we have to be careful to to realize that a lot of the things that we think are terrible horrible struggles are not really terrible horrible struggles there's only one person that did the worst that's right i mean really sit and think about everything that jesus went to through the last five days of his life that's the worst yeah that's exactly right. Beaten, mocked. His his because of what father we forsaking did. him. Yeah, I mean all the. I mean that's emotional, physical, spiritual. He had the worst, so that we can all look at him and say, "We've got it good." Yeah, we'll, we'll never we'll never get to that level. Yeah, that's right. Um, and he did it voluntarily. Yep. And because we put him there. Sure. Yeah. So that he so that he could save us. Yes. Mm. Wow. Another question. Does knowing God mean you will always have peace? Mm. You know that it's that's a hard question, isn't it? Because Does knowing God mean you will always have peace. Yeah. Yes. It's there. 
do we choose to have peace yeah. is the question. Yeah. Does knowing God mean you always have peace? Yes, he's the prince of peace. We have him. Right. But we don't always There's times choose to accept it. It's hard to feel that peace sometimes, right? right? Um, we talked about a few minutes ago, when you watch a child struggle with something, it's hard to find peace at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my son and his wife, are, they, they've, um, they've got this foster daughter, and she is a handful, mm-hmm. and they're working with her and trying to help with those those behaviors and the things that that cause so much trouble but that's hard to be peaceful when the school is calling saying you got to come pick her up because she's destroying the principal's office Hmm. you know it's that's a that's a hard thing to be peaceful about so i look at it like this in a micro sense being peaceful is different than it is in a macro sense. Mm-hmm. So in a macro sense, yes, we have peace and we always have that to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to fall back on it. We always need to take a step back to that 20,000 foot view so that we can see that, yes, this is hard, but we still have peace. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a good word. Yeah. yeah. Last question, does God answer all prayers? <laughs> Another trick, trick question. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Maybe yeah. not the way we want him to answer them. Yeah, yeah. But yes, nor wait yep. is always the three answers. That's it. That's it. And we just don't want to hear. We don't hear you wait. <laughs> Something like you. Yes or no, I can handle. Wait, I can't. Yeah, I mean, because you and I are both doers. Yeah. You know, it's like, God, tell me yes or no, and then I can do something about it. Yep. But that wait for mine and your personalities yeah that's the worst <laughs> you know not really you need to go google tim hawkins chilean miners and you know what we're talking about there yeah we're not making fun of anybody we're we're that's exactly it's hilarious and yeah. but there's a point to it there's a good great lesson in what he's saying yeah for sure so, uh, but yes god does always answer prayers he is not in the business of ignoring us sure At Run For God, we care about more than just your exercise. We care about your relationship with God, and we believe that the music you listen to while you run can help to build your relationship with God. That's why we partner with J Radio. J Radio offers a variety of positive and Christian playlists to listen to while you run. You can find a playlist that is put together by our Run Club members just like you in the Run For God station on J Radio. we're back well we, we spent a weekend uh, a weekend in myrtle beach racing i it saw was the pictures fun. how'd yeah. everybody do um uh, pretty good we had a, we had a, a decent weekend we had one one girl in particular who did really well mm-hmm. we've been trying to get her qualified for the national championships and she uh she made it when she ran i thought she was a couple of seconds off and the problem is she ran the mile Mm. And she's trying to qualify for the 1500 meters. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a conversion process. And I wasn't sure exactly what the conversion was and what, what, what they were going to use for that conversion. And so when she ran it, I thought she was going to run a certain time. And it turns out that I was a little off in my estimation. And she qualified by six tenths of a second. Wow. So, uh, and that was Catherine? That was Catherine. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. She was actually leading the race with 200 meters to go. Uh, one of the girls that beat her 
is uh, was last year's. She finished fourth at nationals last year in, the, in that event. So uh, wow. that tells you she's in a good spot. Sure, um, it's our first person to ever qualify for on, an on track event. Of course, Riley Joe Ford, who we've had on our podcast before, she qualified for the marathon last year and yeah. quali- has qualified again this year. And so we've got two qualified for nationals this year. So it's pretty so exciting. So is the nationals for track and the marathon? That's all the same place. Yeah, same mar- marathon is considered a track event. Even really? Though, even though it's not on the track. That's yeah. kind of same, same thing in the Olympics. You know, the mar- the Olympic marathon it's considered is considered a track event, track and field? Yep. Really? Yep. I thought it was kind of its own. Uh, you'd think so. But what I get for thinking. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this Catherine, is, she's a great athlete, and she she's homeschooled. Mm-hmm. You and I have had dealings with homeschool kids, and um, I love homeschool kids. Yeah. Uh, they're just, they're so much more mature mm-hmm. than others are. Uh, and what I have found is that they're really smart. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk with folks like uh, professors and stuff at the college, they claim that they're not as smart as traditional students. But my experience has been they're smarter. They may not students. have. They may not be as book smart. Yeah, but we we know that that's not. That's only half the. Yep. Half the spectrum there. Uh, most homeschoolers, they're. It's the common sense. The stuff that's not taught in school, they've already got it figured out when they show up to like a college level. That's right. Um, so, yeah. That's right. Yep. 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 So, I will say this, though. For Catherine, for as much talent as she has, and as much as you've talked about her before, how confident she looks. Mm-hmm. And she is very confident. But there is, a, in the back of her mind, there's a lot of doubt. That, really? That we have to talk through a lot. For her to get to where she can fully display all that talent that she has yeah um she's got some some things to battle in there and uh so for all of for the people out there who think that people who are who have a talent for running Mm -hmm. it's just easy it is not It, it, it she's a good example of that i just talked about earlier about my struggles with doing a workout Mm -hmm. um it it's the struggles are real, real no matter how what level you're yeah. at don't think that just because somebody runs fast they don't sure. have struggles right. <laughs> I promise you they do all right it's a time for dean's thoughts and that's a time when i share something that i've written about the intersection between running and faith and this this thing has been around for a while uh, and it's still talked about a lot in statistical circles and i wanted to share it it's called the monty hall problem If you're advancing in years like me, you may remember the show Let's Make a Deal. It was hosted by Monty Hall and was one of the most popular game shows on the planet when it aired from 1963 to 1976. I understand there's a new version of the show hosted by Wayne Brady that has now aired about the same number of years, but nothing beats the spectacle of the old show. Contestants would dress up in silly outfits and be chosen to make a deal with the host. There would usually be something of value offered and then the contestant would be able to trade for what's behind a door or under a box. It was a funny show and is still popular in many countries today. There's a famous brain teaser known as the Monty Hall Problem. It was posed to Parade Magazine by a gentleman by the name of Craig F. Whitaker. He wrote, Suppose you're on a game show and you're given the choice of three doors. 
Behind one door is a car. Behind the others, goats. You pick a door, say number one, and the host who knows what's behind the doors opens another door, say number three, which has a goat. Then he says to you, do you want to pick door number two? It, is it to your advantage to switch your choice? Well, what do you think? Would you switch? Just looking at the question and thinking about it, it would appear that it wouldn't matter. The choice is a 50-50 choice, right? Well, that assumption would be wrong. The answer is that it is always advantageous to switch doors. The probability goes from one-third to two-thirds if you switch. The problem has caused, caused such consternation among mathematicians that 1,000 of them wrote into Parade Magazine to tell them they were wrong. But most of them have seen the computer models and now know that the answer was and is correct. Switching is the best response. Which brings me to the topic at hand. There are many things that we believe today that will be proven false in the future. As it relates to running, we used to think that lactic acid would build up in your muscles and that's what made you sore after running. We now know that we were wrong about that. We used to do a lot of static stretching before races and then studies showed us that dynamic stretching was better and static stretching was bad for you pre-race. But more recently, a shift has become has begun to move back towards static stretching. There are millions of things we just don't know with certainty. So what does that tell us about our running journey? It tells us that our preconceived notions on what is possible can be flawed. It tells us that conventional wisdom is sometimes not constructive or useful. Just because most 65-year-olds don't run a 5K doesn't mean it's a bad idea. Just because someone tells you that running is going to mess up your knees doesn't mean it's true. And it's not true, by the way. Throw out your preconceived notions and dream big. There is a saying, you never know how far you can go until you've gone too far. Just because something looks one way on the surface doesn't mean it is. In fact, as most people may see it, it, it doesn't mean it is, in fact, as most people may see it. Be willing to push your boundaries and you may find that you can go much farther than you ever thought possible. John chapter 11 tells the story of Lazarus. He had died and, by all accounts, Jesus was too late to save him. To all the onlookers, it appeared that Lazarus had breathed his last breath. Any reasonable person would have believed that they would never see him or hear him speak again. But Jesus proved that conventional wisdom was wrong, and he raised Lazarus from the dead. On the surface, the Monty Hall problem is obvious. To researchers, it was obvious that lactic acid was the reason for our soreness. And to the people in Jesus' time, Lazarus was dead and gone forever. What are you looking at today that is just not the way you see it? Is there something clouding your judgment? Is there a way even when it looks like there is not? Start putting on a different lens, one of curiosity about possibilities you never dreamed could come to fruition. In your attempt to go too far you may find that you can go a lot further than you thought. <laughs> I like that story, Dean. <laughs> you ever now, watched Let's Make a Deal? I, you know, I, I think I, I, I'm confused on this problem, though. So yeah. break, break that down even okay. to where I can understand it. Okay. So you have three doors. There's three doors. And, and I pick door number one. Right. 
and then how did the game go? If I pick door, I want you pick door one, and I, then the host says, "Okay, we're going to reveal what's behind one of the other doors." Okay, so let's say it's door three. He opens door three, and door three, of course, reveals a goat because he's not going to open the door with the car in it, right? Right. And so your choice is: do you keep door one? Or do you switch to door two? He's going to give you that opportunity to switch if you want to switch. And you have the choice of whether to you switch. You can or switch keep. to the one that has the goats or no, the, the one that nobody knows what it is. The, the one that the one that nobody knows what it is. You can either switch from one or you can, So you've picked one. Right. You know what's behind door number two. Three. Well, I don't remember what's Well, that okay. Is. So <laughs> we may park here for a while. So I pick door number one. I have no idea what's behind it. Right. And he opens door number two. Okay. And it's got goats in it. Right. And so I can either switch to door number two or door number three. No, you can either switch to door number three or keep the door you have. So both of the doors I'm considering, I don't know what's behind. That's right. How is it better to switch to door number three. That's what I'm telling you. This is on the surface. It looks like it's a 50-50 chance. But this again. A 50-50 chance of something being good. Right. Yeah. It's 50-50. You keep the door and there's a 50-50 chance whether there's a door, a, a goat or a car behind the door you've already chosen. That's the intuitive thing tells you that. Right. But when you go through it. One after you go through every possible scenario, the truth is, is that you're two thirds of you have two thirds of a chance of winning if you switch and only one third of a chance of winning if you stay. And it has everything to do with. I don't believe that. Well, I I, I say it's that way if you didn't know what was behind door number two. But now that you do, you take that out of the equation. You've only got two doors. left. That's actually what makes it a two thirds chance that switching is. I know, again, I, I, I bring that up, this up for this very reason, because the first time I looked at it, I thought, there's there's no way. I argued with the guy that shared this. guy shared this with me years ago. And when, when he shared it with me, I was like, no, no. And I argued and argued and argued with him. Uh, but go to go to Wikipedia and look it up. There's a there's a you can go to the Wikipedia page and go so to the Monty Hall Wikipedia, problem. So after reading Wikipedia, you believe the two thirds chance? No, because because I've seen the simulations. I've seen the I've seen where they they write it all out every possible scenario. Here's all of the scenarios, and you can see that two thirds of the time you win if you switch. I know, I know it sounds again. It's my point. It's a different argument for a different. We'll we'll battle this at lunch. Yeah. All right. I, I don't see it. All period. Right. I don't see it. All right. But we're 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 all we all have something that we see one way, sure. and we learn later that it's a different way, and. We all think things are impossible that later we find out they are they are possible. Moses standing at the Red Sea with the Israelites, they're in an impossible situation at that mm-hmm. point in time. But it wasn't impossible. Um, and so from a spiritual standpoint, of course, we have God that can always intervene, as he did with Lazarus. Um, but in so many ways, with running, Again, I brought up the 65-year-old lady who starts the 5K challenge. That's mm-hmm. not conventional. That's sure. people would say that that's that's silly and I mean I've heard people say it. Well, a 65-year-old has no business trying to start to run, you know? But we've seen it right. over and over and over again. Yeah. 
And so I guess the question is, is what are we looking at that we think is conventional wisdom or is the wisdom or is obvious that's not so obvious? Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about it on here before. Actually, we talked about it just a little while ago with the sermon we're going through with the youth. It's, you know, questioning things will always bring you to a better understanding. The cool thing about Christianity is when you begin to question it, you begin to believe even more. Yeah. Because it, 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 uh, questioning and digging in and doing your homework and really trying to tear something apart will always bring you to the truth. Yeah. Well, I mean, we were talking about Lee Strobel last night. Mm-hmm. You know, he went in to disprove, he was an atheist, went in to disprove Christianity from a, a lawyer's background. And he came out a believer in Christ in the process. And that's the cool thing about our God. The God is that the more you try to disprove it, the more proof you find yeah. that it's true. Yeah. So. Yeah, and we we've got. I, I say this because I think we need to try stuff too. Um, that's another reason that I think this is important. Is that as as I get older, um, I, I try stuff that maybe I tried when I was younger. It didn't work when I was young. But now that I'm older, my body's different, and I, I try different stuff. I was watching the show Mr. Mayor. I don't know if you ever watched it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they were going through this one scenario after another, and she's like, we've already done that. We've already done that. We've already done that. We've already tried that. We've already tried that. Uh, but the truth is is that sometimes it's worth trying stuff over again. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I just say that because I, I – I just. We get these preconceived notions, especially in these this day and time, and we don't want to get into a political discussion, but we view everything through a lens. Mm-hmm. We view things through a Christianity lens, mm-hmm. right? I we mean, have a lot of lenses. That's right. And so I think it's important that we we do view things through a biblical lens. Sure. And and I, I'm I'm a firm believer that I'm I'm I want to use that lens for everything that I look at. Um, but we have these other lenses too. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a political lens. Mm-hmm. We have a, you know, we've got, you know, some people use a worry lens an awful lot, mm-hmm. you know, and it's um, a pessimist lens, an optimist lens, yeah, there, lens. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so many out there. And what we what I think that we've learned in looking at stuff more recently is that the experts aren't really experts. They may be experts, but our experts have been wrong so much over the past few years that we've got to be careful about what we believe and what we just go, okay, this is this is this is why it is, because it's been so often been wrong recently. So um, and and I think that's why I love I've mentioned on here before that I like to take a topic that is obvious to Christians. Mm hmm. And go into the Bible looking at it as if it wasn't true. Sure. You know, with the idea of like Lee Strobel. Not to disprove it, but to to go, I want to look at this completely, uh, what do you call it, um, nonpartisan. I don't know what you call it. Just, uh, uh, but, uh, but in a way that, that I get the true feeling like I'm not a believer. And I, and I look at this, what what would I think? Well, we should do that. I mean, we yeah. should do that with every part of the Bible because we don't need to rely on what people have told us. We need to rely on what God is telling us. Yeah. You know, an, a, an example of that is um, Malcolm Gladwell's uh, uh, talk on David and Goliath. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah. That completely changed the way I look at that story. I mean, because yeah. the, the story was always presented to us as kids as being this way. That's right. And Malcolm Gladwell says, well, what about this? The story is still the same. It's the right. same story, the mm-hmm. way the Bible writes it, but your perception of it can be different by hearing other angles on it. And mm-hmm. it's Malcolm Gladwell didn't do anything wrong. He just said, hey, you ever thought about it this way? And man, it's like wow, that's makes a lot of sense. That's another good one to go listen to if you yeah. if you want a good challenge. Is yep. is Malcolm Gladwell's talk on on David and Goliath? But yeah, we culture many times will s- form our beliefs. Yeah, and we don't need to let that happen. We need to let. Uh, it, it, it's fine to let that happen, but the more we grow in Christ, the more we need to let Christ. Yeah. shape our belief and, and uh, what we feel like he's telling us and does that line up with the Bible you know it's fine to believe your preacher yeah that I believe my preacher what he says but many times he says don't trust me go mm-hmm. verify this on your own yep. and that's that's our responsibility to do that for sure yep that's the way to do it do you struggle with motivation to exercise are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you The Run For God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it with the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you are participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or any of our other challenges, or you're just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at runforgod.com. All right, we're back, and of course, we just had those indoor world championships for track, which I know more track you, talk. We've been you, talking about this for four weeks now, and you just love it. You indoor love, track, that's outdoor track. Yeah, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, track is awesome. I, I love the sport of running, but <laughs> track is track and swim meets. You know, it's just they're so long. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. But uh, I they do are. love to watch a really a good track race track race you yeah know, you know yeah. like the 5k or where they're duking it out or yeah yeah i like that yeah it's fun fun to watch had some pretty notable some notable performances and the number one one that i was thinking about was ajay wilson mm-hmm. who has been near the top of the 800 meter world for women for years 2013 i think is when she broke into being a world-class 800 meter runner and she has a ton of silver medals and bronze medals she's never won she's always been just behind those leaders and so um it was good she finally after all of those years of getting all those silvers and bronzes Mm -hmm. she's always been consistent too she's always been near the front just not at the front and so this year she was able to win a world championship Mm. and uh and so i just thought that was a pretty special thing because she's always handled herself really classy she's a good good lady um and you just there's some people you just want to root for yeah and ajay wilson is one of those people yeah I, I mean for. i i'm not taking anything away from somebody that just shoots to the top right away but to see that person that's been at it for years yeah in years and to have the the 
mental fortitude and the desire and the drive to keep doing it. I mean, because that, that's got to be tough. Sure. To be second, third, just every time. Yeah. But then to finally break through, that's, uh, gosh, that's got to be a – because how old is she? She's probably – She's in her 30s. 30s. Yeah. So she's getting it's getting up there for an 800-meter runner. Yeah. Long for, time coming. For sure. So so really cool to see. Of course, I think Mo and Keely Hodgkinson weren't there. They're, they're the young up-and-comers. Um, and they weren't there for different reasons, but uh, but it was just cool. It was cool to see such a good good lady win something like that. Hmm. Another race that happened was Jakob Ingebrigtsen. You know that name, mm-hmm. um, fastest. He won the Olympics, uh, fifteen hundred meters, and he got beat hmm. in the uh, I think it's the mile indoors. Um, but then he got through with his event, and he went and tested positive for COVID. So it Might turns, have had out, a little to do with turns it. out he was sick, <laughs> and um, and that may he still finished second even even with that. So uh, yeah, and then one of my favorite stories, Ellie Pereira Saint Pierre. Um, Ellie's been uh, she's been rising over the last couple of years, and she was second in the three thousand. Now, I mean, the Ethiopians were there, and. So there were a lot of a lot of times where we're way behind the Kenyans, but she's she's worked her way up to the point where she's now she's now kind of equal to or close to um, those folks who are the best in the world. And so it's really cool to see the uh, women distance running really coming to the forefront mm-hmm. um, here recently. So I'm excited about that. Um and then I saw where the USA men didn't even get into the final of the 4x4, four four, which is really unusual. Um, I'm pretty sure the USA holds the world record for the 4x4. Four four. We were always dominant in the 4x4. Four four. It was never really close. And now it's um, now we're just kind of... I may be delusional, but didn't we have the same conversation back during the Olympics? Did something happen with the 4x400 four four team in the Olympics? It did, and the 4x1. Okay. We, we just we're having a hard time with relays. Okay. I remember having this side. similar conversation back during the Olympics. Yeah. On the men's side, we yeah. have a hard time with relays for some reason. Hmm. Something about passing that baton from one person to another is a, <laughs> is a problem. Harder than it looks, ain't it? Of course, in this case, we didn't have our best 400-meter runners there. We had some 800-meters running, 800-meter runners running, and so that made a difference. So a lot of times a lot of the best athletes don't show up for indoor meets uh, we mentioned that i think last mm-hmm. week so um so a lot of the best americans weren't there um so that's the way it goes another interesting one was armando duplantis isn't that a fun name to say mm-hmm. armando duplantis he set another world record uh, he's, he's a pole vaulter and every time he sets the world record he does it by like a half inch so that he can set another world record next time <laughs> It's pretty smart yeah. when you think about it. Um, 20 feet, three and three quarters inches, which is 6.19 wow. meters. Um, that's a long way. It's uh, so impressive to watch those guys that can really do it that high to see. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm used to watching a high school meet. But then you go watch these guys, and it's amazing how they literally just catapult themselves. Yeah. Now, one question I've got. Is the pole height a standard height? No. No, poles are all different lengths. So you can use whatever length you want. That's right. Yeah. Interesting. That's just a, 
The the pole vault is is one of the most complicated events because for that reason. I mean, you not only do you have the pole um, length, but poles are different weights too. Hmm. So poles are meant for a particular weight, and so like a. A 135-pound pole means that you can't use that pole if you're over 135 pounds. Now, you can use it if you're 115 pounds. So you're deciding what... What's the purpose? Because it could break. I mean, there's that small of a margin. That's right. With the material. It's not safe for somebody that's over that weight. Hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, so poles are, are interesting. But then the whole event itself, Mm -hmm. the getting up to speed and having your feet be in the right place at the right time, the planning that pole into that little box is... That's a scary thing. I mean, I've sat there and watched, and I've, I've said it many times. I don't know that I could run full speed and trust that I'm going to hit that little box because if yeah. you don't, I mean, you could impale yourself. There's all kinds of things that can go wrong yeah. on that yeah. approach. Yep. Hmm. And then it's the whole, once, once you hit that box, there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for you to get inverted and do that whole thing the way it's really fascinating to to learn and understand the pole vault have you ever seen that event i don't know what it is it's it's was in a foreign country i actually saw saw the video just a few days ago again it's it's where they there's a pole in the water it's in water and it's leaning this way and you take off from this side and then there's the landing areas over here and guys run and they jump on the pole and while the pole is going toward the other side they're climbing the pole to see how high they can get before getting shot off the pole on this other side it's basically it's basically what are we just calling that pole vaulting yeah and lone jumping huh but they're you're going over water so you're you're running you're jumping onto a pole, you're climbing the pole and getting as high as you can before the pole hits over here and you're thrown off the other way. It's pretty interesting. You need to look it up. <laughs> that sounds interesting. I'll pull it up here. Yeah, yeah but, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of cool events in track and field, I'll admit, but it well, takes a long time. In Armando, uh, in his event, 6.19 meters, second place was 5.31 meters. Wow. It was literally almost three feet less for second place. I mean, this is the best in the world. Well, I was going to say, I always thought 17 was world class, and yep. I was surprised to see that 20 feet. Yeah. That's a. So he's the only person that's really. He's in a league of his own. There's a couple of guys that are fairly close to him. Okay. Now, they weren't in this meet, but. Okay. Um, yeah. So, which leads us to let's have a trivia question for this week, and let's do it. Let's do it with pole vaulting. So, here's the question: There was another pole vaulter who was dominant in the '80s. He was the first person to vault over 20 feet, and who was he? This guy was more, even more dominant than Duplantis is. I mean, it was when, when there was a pole. If 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 there was a pole vault event, he won everything. I mean, if he was there, he was going to win. And his name is kind of fun to say. So, who was this guy in the 80s who dominated the pole vault? Hmm. And what what was his name? So, his name's even more fun to say than Armando Duplantis. 
So uh, if you know the answer to that, send it to dean at runforgod.com. Be the first one to send it, and we will in turn send you a Run For God Run Club tumbler so you can drink your coffee nice and hot. Um, okay, so let's uh, let's talk about why running is so awesome. We talk every week about why running is so awesome, um, and this is it. It can be competitive for everyone. Hmm. So, you know, it should always be competitive. It should be because you're competing against yourself. Yeah, yourself, which is what's cool about running. Because yeah. other other sports, it's hard to do that, right? Sure. Uh, so yeah, it's and because it's you're competing a lot of times against a stopwatch, you know exactly how you did against yesterday's self, which is uh, as, which is unusual mm-hmm. for for a lot of sports. So, um, and then you have the choice; it doesn't have to be competitive. You can just enjoy running and not be competitive. You can ignore what you did yesterday. That's right. And just go run. That's right. That's right. You can do either one. Yeah. So. It can be competitive. It could not be competitive. Yeah. It just makes it awesome, right? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. All and right. There's nothing wrong with either way. That's exactly right. All right. Well, this brings us to the end. Until next week. Another week down. What is this? 106? 106 episodes. Yeah. Wow. So. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Yeah. And listening to us and allowing us to come into your car or your earbuds or wherever it is you listen to us um we have a lot of fun we hope you do too we do we do make sure you rate us let us know how how we're doing yeah because that helps somehow yes yeah, i don't really know how but yeah i don't does. understand all those algorithms yeah. and stuff but i mean i'm not even sure i know what the word algorithm means so so now if you're brand new you maybe you just joined maybe you saw the the guidepost blast that went out advertising the 5k challenge maybe you joined us yesterday for the first class of the 5k challenge or you're watching it today welcome welcome we're glad you're here we are and now may god bless every step of every run and walk go out there and shine your light good job dean for more information about the run for god ministry go to runforgod.com If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.